0: All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back for another episode of the Good Life EDU podcast. And at this time of year, the legislative session is underway. Uh we're actually in day fourteen of our sixty-day session here in 2024. And I'm really grateful that we're getting the opportunity to have a conversation uh that is a little bit of a preview or we'll get into some of the bills that are out there and some of the details that might be of interest to our our listenership. Uh, And so I'm really grateful to Dr. Mike Delaney, who's the Executive Director with NCSA, uh, Dr. Kyle McGowan, who is the Legislative Consultant with NCSA, and Dr. John Scretta, who is administrator at ESU 6, for joining us. These guys have so much expertise uh, and knowledge and work in the trenches uh, on a regular in these spaces. And so really grateful for the opportunity to get to learn from them. And so I'm really going to turn things over to uh, to Mike to start and just get an opportunity to learn a little bit more about maybe the process first. Let's go zoom out 30,000 feet, and then we'll get into the specifics as our conversation evolves.
1: Well, thank you, Andrew. And I want to commend you. Your podcasts are just amazing. They a lot of people are listening and we're very honored, the three of us, to be a part of this one. And so thank you for the invitation. We're going to spend around 40 minutes or so talking about things happening, what's going on, and hopefully this will be a, a meaningful session to those who listen to it. I want to begin and, of course, ask John and, and Kyle to jump in anytime they wish, but kind of the 10,000-foot the level the governor's agenda, that's a good place to start on any session, because you want to know what the governor would like to accomplish. The majority of the body is certainly going to want to make sure the governor gets something out of the session. That's the way it works. Uh, A happy governor is uh, (laughs) easy to work with. And Governor Pillen, of course, announced an ambitious effort During his state-of-the-state address, we had a feeling something like it would be coming. We just didn't know exactly how it would look. And what he wants to do is reduce the reliance upon property taxes by political subdivisions by offsetting that revenue with newly generated revenue from a variety of sources, uh, one of which is a one-cent sales tax increase. So it'd go from 5.5 to 6.5 for the state sales tax. And then a a new tax, uh, it's the advertising tax. And I think that's a part of the plan. And then a variety of other ideas there to produce a good chunk of money that would then be available to offset the loss of property taxes. That's the idea. And this would affect uh, all political subdivisions, having property tax authority. So uh, school districts, ESUs, cities, counties, SIDs, NRDs, the whole group. And so what they've done is broken this up into a number of bills. And while all these bills are separate from one another, my guess is that the revenue committee will form a package at some point, and they'll send out a bill or maybe several bills to accomplish what the governor is pursuing. And so Senator Linehan is very prominent in the discussions and introduction of bills. They are looking at uh, the the governors promoting a 3% hard cap, meaning very little exception to go beyond with, you know, maybe growth, growth in the ESU, for example, or city or county. And then there is a separate bill dealing with schools, a hard cap. And that is not necessarily part of the governor's package. So it's interesting dynamics. Uh, The governor's promoting a hard cap for all political subdivisions, with the exception of school districts. The chair of the Revenue Committee, Senator Lennihan, has a separate bill, 1316, which does provide a hard cap on schools, but it's not at the request of the governor. So how is all this going to be sorted out? Well, that's a good question. As I remember talking to one of the governor's aides recently, and and you know he says, uh, look, this is a, the governor has said he does not want a hard cap for schools, uh, but we can't control what happens in committee. All right. So
2: again, every session is always including taxes. And I can't remember the last time that our governor hasn't said uh, property taxes are their number one issue. So again, the levers that Mike just discussed is if we're taking away revenue from
1: property tax, how are we going to make up that money? Right. And in, in our opinion, we've long said there's an over-reliance on property tax. I don't know if anybody uh, or very few would disagree with that. It's just that there hasn't been the political desire to rely upon the other two means, which would be income or sales. In fact, income tax rates are actually going backwards in terms of the will of the body is to reduce, not increase corporate and individual income tax. So the governor's looking at sales tax and some exemptions to sales tax and, and so on. And, you know, if you look at the total amount of money, that is to be given to all the political subdivisions, uh, school districts, ESUs, the whole, the whole shooting match. By my calculation, it's like $1.7 billion. Uh, just under a billion dollars would go to schools. $989 million would go to schools to offset the reduction in property tax authority and then the cities and counties and so on. How ESUs fit into the equation exactly is a good question because I fear that some of the political subs like NRDs, SIDs, ESUs are kind of uh, on the outside looking in and that's not good. We, we definitely wanna make sure our ESUs are covered. And so uh, anyway, this is gonna be a, a process, a very drawn out process for the relevant committee to sort out how they wanna proceed. Uh, who's included, who's excluded. Our interest, of course, to make sure schools are protected and so are ESUs. That's very important to us. So that's the big picture. Now, kind of burrowing down a a little bit into some of the, the bills, and I'm anxious to hear John's comments, a bill that came in literally at the end. In fact, it was day 11. Day 11, a lot of people don't know that uh, bill introduction is the first ten days of the session, and that's true. But that applies to senators and their bills. So the governor comes in on day eleven for his state of the state. He's allowed to introduce bills that day. So there were, I believe, six bills introduced on day eleven, and they were part of his package, his his agenda. One of which was LB fourteen seventeen, and fourteen seventeen is a monster bill it's very lengthy the idea is uh, to eliminate what they perceive as unnecessary commissions boards and then do some downsizing and one that caught my eye right away when i read the bill was the elimination of the esucc and so uh, john i'm sure that caught your attention too Uh, what are your thoughts Absolutely. Well, uh,
3: just a little bit more to share on 1417. Uh, We think this uh, reflects the governor's commitment that he raised in the State of the State Address of a clean the closets approach. And basically, as Dr. Delaney referred to it, there's a large slate of agencies, public bodies, commissions that the bill proposes to eliminate. ESUCC, is included in that list in the introduced version of the bill. We certainly hope as ESU ambassadors and uh, folks throughout K-12 education in Nebraska that we can enlist the goodwill and supportive efforts of everyone to ensure that ESUCC is not terminated effective July 2025 as it's listed in the bill. Just so folks know, the ESU Coordinating Council exists as the formal statewide collaborative umbrella and the body through which we are able, as service units in Nebraska, to engage in partnership efforts, joint decision-making, Rule 84 accreditation of ESUs, collaborative work with and in support of the Nebraska Department of Education. In addition to that, ESUCC Provides vital support to attaining the mission and purpose of ESUs when we think about efficiency and scalability for positive outcomes for students and savings for school districts. Guys, that includes uh, programming like our cooperative purchasing program, the SRS, Special Education Reporting System, Statewide Power School Consortium, uh, NVIS, which is all of our distance learning delivery throughout the state. So. These are just some of, uh, just a few, in fact, of the myriad programs, in addition to the training and reporting and support requirements that ESUCC carries out throughout Nebraska to support our schools. So I think we have to embrace this uh, both as a challenge, but also an invitation and an opportunity to educate policymakers about the importance of the work that the Educational Service Unit Coordinating Council does. So, guys, that's what I'd say about 1417, for starters. Again, there are myriad other agencies, commissions, et cetera, listed in that. And uh, the governor's intent is to ensure that archaic bodies need no longer exist. We believe that the work that the ESUCC does is very much timely, robust, and, and needed in our schools. So that's what
1: I'd share on that. We heartily agree with that assessment. I'm dr am Dr. Uh, NCSA is committed to working with the ESUs and the SUCC on this, and what the governor wants to do with 1417 is take a, I think it was four different education-related entities and roll them into a new council called, I believe, the K-12 Council, and it would be comprised of superintendents and a couple of ESU administrators and some parents and various people. And what we're concerned about there, to be very blunt, is that uh, there may be a you you lose things in the shuffle when you when you go too much. The ESUCC is known for uh, really getting into the detail of what's happening, what needs to be done. And I remember when that was created years ago under Senator Rakes. Ron Rakes was the chair of the Education Committee. He was the one who set forth legislation to create the ESUCC. Uh, Matt Bloomstead was the first director of that way back when, and that's how things got started. And and then uh, if you look at legislation nowadays, they want to reach out to have the ESUCC conduct various projects and things like that. So they're looked at as a collaborative group. Right. And in particular,
2: I would say the Department of Education relies heavily on the ESU system. So it's really just communicating um, I mean we would all agree right that there are maybe some existing commissions boards that have outlived their usefulness but you know we we would want to communicate how our ESU systems actually save
1: money for our school systems in Nebraska So here's how we'd look at a, a good effort to consolidate or to eliminate excess government, would be where, you know, the stakeholder groups would be contacted prior to introduction of legislation. That's exactly what happened with LB 1091. And I'm very proud of our Commissioner of Education because Brian reached out ahead of time and said, hey, what do you think of uh, the idea of getting rid of the Professional Practices Commission? And, um, and I said, you know, I've never thought of that. You just don't think about those things till they're brought up and then explain why. Well, there's such a backlog of cases in the PPC that they're looking at ways to expedite that and, and move things along. So NCSA signed off on 1091, NSCA, the teachers group, signed off on 1091. It's led by, uh, I believe, all of or most of the members of the Education Committee. And that is a good effort because we all had a chance to give input, and the idea is there would no longer be a commission. The state board would hire a hearing examiner, and that individual would kind of expedite the process of getting cases heard, and the investigatory arm of the PPC would still be there. That's a very important function to actually do the investigation. So we all said, hey, that, that's a good idea. And when that bill comes up, we'll be there to support it. So that, in our opinion, that's the way to do it. And so we were a little bit surprised on 1417 with the ESUCC. I don't think it's too late for us to make our case, led by people like Dr. John Scaretta, to come in and say, here's what you need to know about what we're doing to enrich uh, not only the ESUs, but the public schools. So that's a little bit on consolidation and that kind of thing, shrinking government. Moving on and other issues, there are three separate student discipline bills, and uh, they are LB 899, 1141, and 1146, each of which is introduced by a different senator. And so the issue is very complicated, but it has to do with legislation passed last year originally by uh, Senator McKinney's lb632 which was merged into lB 705 which became law and what it says is no suspension of K through 2 students so second grade and below you cannot suspend and uh, we didn't think a lot of teachers knew the bill was there uh, but they they certainly found out quick and so what we've had in our schools is and I've heard from superintendents Large school, small school saying, Hey, I got frustrated teachers, my principals are frustrated because what it did is say, Hey, that student has to remain in school at the school building, and so putting the, the placement of the child was an issue. And so, we're not sure if that was the very best policy that the legislature had passed. Well, again, I think anytime the legislature
2: tries to micromanage what happens in a building is dangerous territory. So, you know, Senator McKinney, um, Hart was in the right spot. How, why would you ever, you know, send a child out of school? But I think it was a little short-sighted in that uh, schools do not want to suspend kids. That's, that's not their goal, but they have an overall number one requirement to keep everybody safe. So when you're implementing just uh, carte blanche, can't do this to keep order in your school, it, it really came with some negative side effects, and people are, have kind of responded back. And it was kind of nice to see two senators say, you
1: know what, let's relook at this bill. And Dr. Scretta, you're very active in the retention and recruitment of teachers, of all people, to the profession so here we have another strain where teachers could say this isn't this isn't worth it. Any comments, thoughts from you?
3: Uh, yeah, I would just um, just to kind of reinforce what you're describing, and and then maybe we can take a few minutes and logically segue to talk about there's a you know there's a need clearly to engage in systematic recruitment and retention efforts to support educator workforce challenges that we're all aware of. They existed before the pandemic, and they've been exacerbated uh, by the pandemic. And so when there are positive, proactive ideas from our policymakers to support educator workforce challenges, that's a great direction to go, as opposed to legislation that can sometimes make An educational or a classroom environment even more difficult or fraught with challenges for our classroom teachers. So as administrators and educational leaders, we definitely want to support those ideas that are supportive of recruitment and retention to the teaching profession. And there's a number of those that are
1: brought forward this session, right guys? Yes, absolutely. There's 10 uh, retention bills total, which is uh, obviously that, that's an important issue for lawmakers. But just to put a bow tie on the student discipline why I asked Dr. Scred about the retention piece, because I, I think the suspension thing is putting a str- another stress on teachers. And so two bills introduced, 899 by Senator Hughes and Uh, 1146 by Senator Merman, uh, both of which we would support because Senator Hughes would like to say class three school districts would be excluded. So that would leave LPS and OPS. They've definitely voiced to us that they wanted to be included as well. And then uh, 1146 is Merman's bill, and what Senator Merman is saying uh, is a, a separate exclusion because there already is an exclusion. If the student brings a firearm to school, then they can be, um, and it would be beyond suspension. It would be expulsion at that point in time. And then a second uh, exception proposed in 1146 would be violent behavior. So we think that that would have merit as well. Right, and,
2: and really, I think, and maybe you guys can also give an opinion on this, but the, the Senator Hughes's logic in saying we would allow this bill to happen for the larger school districts is because Senator McKinney's original bill was just addressing uh, the Omaha area. And so she essentially is bringing it back to what his original bill was, because there was really no
1: hearing other than for that segment of schools. Correct. So student discipline, I think, is going to get some attention. And then moving on to another student-related item would be student expression. So Senator Dungan has introduced uh, LB 1071, and this is identical to a previous bill, LB 88, a couple years ago by Senator Morfill, and Senator Dungan has introduced essentially the same thing. It applies to post-secondary and secondary students, high school students and college kids. So the idea is to grant protection of student journalists and advisors. That's the whole idea. And so NCSA has historically pushed back on the legislation And the reason why is not because we don't want to promote student journalism, good journalism. Uh, It really comes down, if you boil it down, is the bill would provide immunities to students and advisors that don't exist in the real world. For example, uh, a reporter, a journalist, who, say, goes over to the Capitol and writes up a story, they can't just print whatever they want without somebody giving the okay, an editor, an owner of the newspaper, somebody is going to say, yes, let's print this, let's don't. That's the real world. And so if we allow students to think, okay, the principal is not even allowed to review this. It just gets published. That's not the real world. Right. And even in
2: the bill, the the bill concedes that someone should oversee the, the student's work. I mean, that's why we have classes, right? to hopefully educate kids on how to uh, vet their sources, the difference between fact and opinion, all important. And that's why it's somewhat of a difficult conversation because all schools agree we're trying to lead kids through a path to adulthood, right? But the bottom line is, who should have the ultimate responsibility? Where's the buck going to stop when there's a behavior in the school and we really believe that that should be the school principal you know the school board
1: and not the journalism advisor and not to mention that all of the facilities the the paper the ink everything belongs to the school which is the paid by the taxpayer right and yeah so we have the taxpayer uh issue as well right
2: and i think what You know, in discussions with our senators that that were really about 90% on the same page was the difference is most of these concerns that we have are not on your views of um, uh, Keystone Pipeline or political opinions. They have to do with keeping a safe culture within the school building so that there's not an article that somehow degrades a certain segment of the school
1: population if that makes sense. Absolutely. So, you know, we really enjoy working with Senator Dungan. He's uh, a Lincoln senator, and uh, we've just really enjoyed working with him. Kyle has gone in to talk to him a little bit already. We intend to go back and talk some more and try to explain our perspective on that issue. So big picture, we go back to the overall. There is well over 600 bills introduced. This is a lot for a short session. A short session typically has four to 500. Uh, 600 is a monster load. Uh, Next year, they're going to ratchet it down so no senator can introduce more than 20 bills. That, a lot of people don't remember, was actually a rule years and decades ago. That was the rule, 20 bills or less. And then they got rid of that rule, and now, now they're back to it. Uh, I think for lobbyists, we have no heartburn with a 20-bill MAC. And the other thing to know, for most senators, for most senators, 10, 15 bills, 15 is a lot. Think about it. You have to open on every bill. You have to go to the public hearing, open on the bill. And it takes a lot of time and effort, writing, all that kind of thing. So Senator Walls, a very good friend of ours, she introduced 30 bills. So thirty bills, and that's a lot. And beginning next year, it'll be twenty or less. Probably not a bad idea. So there's going to be a huge number of public hearings, and that's going to kind of clog up the hearing schedule. Education committee uh, typically has a good, manageable number of bills uh, from year to year. I think they they are definitely um, yeah they're gonna they're going to gonna be backlog. Right. Yeah. Right, and Judiciary Committee always gets the the most bills, uh, and I haven't looked recently how many how I imagine they still got the worst end of the stick, uh, but uh, Education I think is right up there with them this year. So uh, Doctor Scretta talked about retention and recruitment bills. There are ten, and I always like to see what are the trends. What what's on people's minds. Well, one that was kind of a trend was bond elections and not having bond elections on special elections. So that was one trend. The other was the introduction of retention recruitment bills, 10, 10 bills. That is a huge number. And some of them proposed new ideas. Others proposed amending existing grant and scholarship programs. And every one of them had a price tag. So here's the problem. There's only so much money to spend. And I haven't seen the recent numbers, but it's very little money uh, to spend. So what are they going to do? What will they focus on? My gut feeling is, Kyle, they're going to send one or two of those bills out of committee. Right,
2: right. You know, it was interesting on the 10 bills, they address the whole gambit of educators. So, for instance, there's a bill to forgive student teaching tuition, as you do your student teaching. Okay, well, you know, that's that end. Then on the other end of the spectrum, there's a bill which encourages teachers not to retire. So if they're eligible for their rule of 85, and correct me if I'm wrong in that way, then they uh, are given a stipend Mm -hmm. to stay up to three more years or
1: five more years. Yeah, I think it's three. And then there's something in the middle. Um, yeah, that was actually an NSEA-driven bill. They they want right. to say, hey, let's make it attractive for them to stay on and not retire right away. And so, yeah, it, it runs the gamut. There are new grant programs, scholarship programs, and every one of them has, there's a good heart behind it because they, they want to try to do something about it. So those are a few. And then I'm going to probably wrap up with one bill, I think, on the positive end of the spectrum. We, uh, NCSA, worked all the way through last year. Right after session, the governor asked us to form a mandates group, which we did, and Stephanie Kotzer and I had a small contingent of superintendents and principals, and we had a couple of private school representatives as well, and we met and met and met, and then we uh, met with the governor And I was very impressed how he sat there and listened for over an hour in one meeting. And he was really wanting to understand, okay, what what is this mandate? What do you have to do? And uh, ultimately, in December of last year, we met with the governor's staff and we proposed a number of ideas that kind of floated to the top. Some of those went by the wayside because one reason or another. But one that did get introduced was LB 1377. And Senator Walls has carried the bill for us. And so, what we had said to the governor last year was, you wouldn't believe the number of instances where teachers, administrators, uh, all have to take an hour of this training, an hour of that training, and nobody's criticizing the validity and the importance of the topic for the training. Nobody, uh, whether it be seizure protocol or dating violence or uh, suicide prevention, nobody questions the importance but what we are thinking is why an hour here hour there do you really mean 60 minutes or could 45 a 45 minute video that talks on the issue would that would that work would that suffice so 1377 the heart of it is to say it's up to the school board to determine the exact amount of time for each so the school board could say hey 60 minutes that's what we want that's what we want you to do Uh, or it could be something less. And the idea is that nobody's getting out of the requirement for training so much as there's a little bit more discretion at the local end. So we're still working on some of the pieces of that bill with Senator Walt, but that at least is an attempt to address mandates in a positive way. So with that, uh, Dr. Scoretta and Kyle, any other bills that you wanted to cover? Uh, Kyle, Mike, I would, uh, first of all, just
3: say thank you so much for that wonderful overview of key legislative proposals and the areas that are being addressed through both our governor's agenda and uh, what our senators, the 49 senators in the unicameral, have brought forward. And to your point, wow, uh, just an absolute plethora of legislation, an abundance of different ideas and proposals that are out there. I wanted to just mention one other from Senator Walls. Uh, 1008 is a Walls appropriation bill that would provide an additional $45 million. That's to support the continuing uh, next iteration of what was LB 516, which established and through the Department of Ed and Rule 58 will see itself through this spring as school safety and security infrastructure grants. There's $10 million that's pledged for that initial round, and Senator Walls has put a price tag of uh, wanting to pledge an additional $45 million to support schools' needs across the state to address safety and security infrastructure challenges. Of course, an appropriation request like that, uh, you know it's probably got an uphill battle, but we really appreciate the proactive approach to supporting school safety needs. And then when we look at the curriculum side, guys, I wanted to mention a couple different reading bills. I'm I'm not sure, but I think this also reflects something that's a priority for our governor, who has made many statements about the fundamental importance of being able to read independently and read proficiently by the end of the third grade. There is LB-1055 from Senator Walls and LB-1252 from Senator Linehan each request an appropriation of $10 million in support of effective early literacy instruction and the use of evidence-based reading instruction or the science of reading and would establish regional coaches using our educational service units would provide uh, scalability for some of the great work in the best evidence-based reading instruction that's already occurring in Nebraska. And so those are exciting as well and wanted to be sure to mention those. I'm sure I missed many because as you
2: guys pointed out, there's hundreds. Yes,
1: absolutely. Kyle, any?
2: No, I, I really appreciate John bringing those forward. The Something that's important with those bills is they come with financial resources because it's one thing just to, you know, state that, oh, we have to do a better job teaching reading. Well, you know, all of us would like to have that as a, as a top goal, but it takes some planning and some resources for our
1: educators to, to accomplish that. So, Andrew, I, again, commend you. You didn't fall asleep uh, during our presentation, so thank you for staying awake, and we like to put people to sleep. That way, they don't ask questions, So uh, thank you, Andrew, for the opportunity. We appreciate it.
0: Well, thank you, Mike and Kyle and John for not only spending the time to share out through this particular episode and show, but uh, for the tireless work that you do each and every day in this space, because it is something that obviously you know, we hear about the hundreds of bills that have been introduced. Those are squarely on your plate and we appreciate you representing us in those spaces. And so um, thank you so much for for this update. Uh, Folks that are listening, I hope that you will continue to follow what's going on in the legislative session. Uh, It does wrap up April 18th, if I'm not mistaken uh, with that particular date. And so uh, in the interim between now and then, make sure that you're staying active and we'll do our best to keep you posted through what avenues we have as well. But uh, uh, thanks everybody for being on and we'll continue to follow this as it evolves
3: thanks andrew great thank you mike kyle thank you thank you guys thank you
1: andrew